Welcome to the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Smith. I'm thrilled to be bringing you episode four of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Johnny Lyons, president of BRRC, in episode three. Learned a bunch of things from that conversation. One of the key things was that if you want to push to reach running goals, you may have to make sacrifices like getting up early to get the miles in for your training. He also shared that it helps to run with a friend so that if you have an accountability partner, they might miss you if you skip that morning run. So if you missed that show or either of the first three episodes, go back and check them out. We've got another great show for you, so let's go get it going with a bumper crop of race reports. Now it's time for race reports. We're going to get a race report on this Super Bowl trail race from BRRC with, wait a second, Coach Buddy? Let me get this straight. You ran a trail race. Uh, what happened there? Glenn, why do you sound so shocked? I've known you for a while, buddy, and, uh, you know, you usually stayed away from the trails, so, uh, you know, I was kind of surprised when I saw you towing the line out there. Yeah, well, Glenn, I think you're being quite kind, and all fairness to your loyal listeners, I'm notoriously known for having no desire to run on trails. I really stick to the roads, and uh, I can count the number of times I've actually been on a trail on one hand. So what happened here, buddy? Uh, how'd you get pulled into this one? Well, well there were two things going on. Uh, about a week and a half before the race, uh, before we recorded our last episode and we were talking about the psychology of running, one of the things that was rolling around in my head was not limiting yourself. And then uh, our training group for the BRC half marathon uh, plan was just getting ready to start and we had a preseason training. And one of the people said, so buddy, are, are you running the Super Bowl trail race? And I went, no. And it was, I was set up and she said, listen, you've coached me all last year and you did a great job. The least I can do is get you up on the trails. So with the thought of not limiting yourself rolling around in my head uh, and then Missy kind of pushing me to do it uh, the next morning, I woke up and I signed up for the race. Nice. Well, uh, I talked to you just uh, about a couple of weeks before that and didn't hear anything about it. So you didn't have much time to prepare. So how did it all work out? Yeah, week and a half, pretty short. Uh, but we have great coaches at BRC. Uh, the following Saturday, I was out with a run with Tom Nasuda. And uh, we were in about two miles into the run. And I said, uh, hey, Tom, I need some advice. And uh, he knew where I was headed. He said, so what have you signed up for now? And I told him, and we were out at Lock Raven, and we had just gotten to a point where you could jump on the trails. And he grabbed me by the shoulder and said, come on, let's go. Uh, so Tom took me out on the trails. He gave me a, 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 a gentle start to uh, getting on the trail. And then we uh, did preview the course, about 30% of it, and that got me ready. Uh, and then that afternoon, I went out and bought a trail a pair of trail shoes so just jumped in with both feet huh <laughs> quite literally so buddy tell me about your race day experience how were the conditions out there well if you recall the week before the race uh we had two snow events uh with very frigid temperatures the last time it snowed was on friday afternoon going into the evening uh and then by saturday there was some melting and refreeze Still, by Sunday morning, uh, at the 9 a.m. start, it was a, a chilly 20 degrees. Ooh, not exactly the best conditions for your uh, first trail race, huh? Uh, like you said, I jumped in with both feet. So where was the race located? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the course. 
So the, uh, the race was at the Telmar area of Cromwell Valley Park. Uh, Telmar is an organization that provides therapy for seniors, those with disabilities, and military veterans through learning horticulture and agriculture. And part of the proceeds from the race uh, went to Telmar. Yeah, that's a great organization. Uh, so uh, what course did you run out there? So it's a, an eight-mile course. Uh, I don't know the names of the trails that we were on out there, but there were some roads, uh, some fire roads, uh, some open fields, and a lot of single-track trails uh, with a few stream cars. Good measure. Uh, the fact that the race started and ended on the road uh, kind of helped me into it. But uh, overall, there were about uh, six miles worth of trails. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the trails out there. Uh, you know, some of them are a little bit easier than others. So how did you approach the race? Well, the first thing I did is I set reasonable expectations. Uh, I considered a sea race, uh, meaning I was going to take it easy. I decided to run with my head and not over it. Uh, being a competitor, uh, I did try to set some time goals. I figured, well, you know, 80 minutes, if I really, really, really had a great day, that would be good. Uh, 90 minutes was pretty, pretty more that I was aiming for. And if I went over that, well, I was just there to have fun. And, and really, that was the ultimate goal. Uh, one was to have fun and two, to stay on my feet. Yeah. And uh, again, you don't want to go out there too hard uh, first time on the trails and then get injured knowing you're in the middle of a training cycle, right? Exactly. It, I'm right, right at the start. Uh, so it was a good time to do a race like this. Um, there were only two parts of the course that I felt were a little sketchy. Uh, there was one part of downhill section that was real slippery, uh, but I navigated that quite well. And then at one of the stream crossings, uh, it was a bit icy on the other side. And I, I looked like a linebacker uh, doing a, a swim move uh, to get to the quarterback just to stay on my feet. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get a photo of that one. So uh, uh, what else can you tell us about the race? Uh, race director Bart Rains did a really good job. Bart handles all of the uh, trail races for BRRC. The course was uh, laid out quite well, was marked well, and there were plenty of volunteers uh, for course marshals. Uh, the best part of the race is uh, afterwards, uh, 281 finishers were treated to homemade pulled pork. Nice, very nice. So, buddy, how did you do? Did you meet your goals? Well, Glenn, I stayed on my feet, although they were a little wet from one of the stream crossings. I had fun. I learned a few things along the way, and I had a finishing time of just under 90 minutes. So I would say mission accomplished. So, buddy, have we converted you over to the trails? Are you going to be uh, going out for an ultra and uh, leaving the roads behind now? Well, Glenn, I'm not about ready to change my race plans for this year and go full-time on the trails, uh, but I've looked at the BRRC race schedule, and I think the next trail race I'll do will be the GPS Gunpowder Trail Race in May. Oh, come on, buddy. How about that uh, Gunpowder Trail uh, Ultra 25 or 50K coming up in April? Why not that one? Well, Glenn, two reasons. First, that race falls uh, during the highest mileage weeks as I prepare for my next marathon. I don't think it would be a good idea to run a race at that point. And secondly, I volunteer at that race and I have a good time doing it. And I look forward to having fun and supporting my fellow trail runners. Ooh, fellow trail runners, you say. Uh, I guess we have converted you over. Glad you had a good time, buddy. Thanks, Glenn. So for a race report on the recent Algonquin 50K, I'm bringing on BRRC racer Randy Rittenauer. Randy, thanks for coming on to share about your experience.
Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking about it. It was it was a fun day out there. Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about the Algonquin 50K for those who may not be familiar. Yeah, Glenn, I'd be happy to. It was a uh, it was a really nice course. So I'll just say off the top that um, it was a good it was a good race. A lot of people there. A lot of people had had a really good time. Lots of smiles on fa- on, on everybody's faces. So. Um, to say you'll know where the race was, it was started at the Milburn area of the Pocomoke River State Park that is located south of Salisbury. So it's a bit of a haul from Baltimore, but uh, it's well worth the trip. The race was run on Saturday, February the 9th, 2019. It was a 7.30 a.m. start. So if you're going to go down from Baltimore, I would really advise if you try to find a place to stay nearby. Otherwise, it's a pretty early morning to drive all that way to, to then run the race. Um, the weather was good for me. It was 32 degrees, right around freezing. It was clear. It was dry. Um, at least the air was dry. I can't say as much about the course. There was plenty of mud and deep puddles to deal with, but uh, that that's part of the fun was, was having fun in the mud. Uh, the course is, as you referred to earlier, it was a, a 50K. So that's that's 31-ish miles. It was a flat out and back course. And um, basically it ran north. Trail split. As you're heading north, going out, the runners went, went to the right. Um, coming back, it was slightly different. Uh, the the Again, the course split, and, and the, the way home was a little bit different for a couple miles than, than the way out. So that gave us runners a chance to see different part of the park and um, really enjoyed the scenery there. Yeah, I grew up uh, not too far from that area, maybe about 20 minutes away in Somerset County. Uh, Eastern Shore is really not known for its hills or, uh, you know, up and down conditions. Uh, What were the uh, challenges for this course? Uh, The challenges here, and they're pretty well advertised if anybody does any research into it, is are are, are three three main challenges. One is because it is a low-lying area, it's flat, it's, it's sandy. So there is sand to run through, um, fairly long stretches of sand um, that, that is soft and, and you know, kind, of, kind of hard on the calves. One of the big challenges out on the course were the long, wet stretches. There were um, puddles, I would say, that, that could get ankle deep at a minimum. Uh, there were some that were as, as deep as, as my mid-calf. And it was not an easy thing to, to run through, right? So if you can imagine trying to run through water, it's going to slow you down. Uh, add to that the fact that the, the bottom of, this, of these puddles were, were soft mud. Um, I was really afraid that half the time my, my shoes were going to come off and, I, and I'd be stuck there trying to fish my shoes out of the muck on the bottom of these ponds. Um, the alternative to running through the ponds was the challenge there was it was not a clear path and there were sticker bushes or briars in the way that, that have been known to cut people's uh, legs up, cut, cut some clothes up um, and send them on their way with, with bloody ankles. But it was a good challenge for all of us. Yeah. And a real game of pick your poison. So uh, how was uh, your results out there? Did you feel good about it? And uh, 
you know, uh, were there any fast finishers or was it pretty much a slow slog for everybody out there? No, no, there were some fast finishers out there. Um, the first female across the line, um, uh, Liz Ozeki from Rockville, Maryland, she finished in four hours and 23 minutes. Uh, the first male came across, uh, Taylor Maltz from Washington, D.C. He came in at three hours and 54 minutes. You know, one thing I, I kind of like to point out is there was a very young finisher there, a guy named Niels Young from Berlin, Vermont. He was 14 years old, and he finished his 50K in six hours and 42 minutes. Wow, that's pretty impressive. So uh, how'd you finish? How'd you feel about your result? I, I was good. I, I think I finished right in the middle of the pack, which is a good good showing for me. Usually as, as the races get longer, I finish farther and farther back in the pack, but here I was happy to be a smack dab in the middle. Well, yeah, congratulations on a great race, Randy, uh, and uh, and thanks for coming on to share your experience. I know you're pretty early on in your uh, ultra running career, but uh, hopefully this won't be the last uh, ultra race report we get from you. I don't think it will be. As long as you'll have me back, I'll be happy to file another report anytime. All right, Randy, talk with you soon. All right, thank you. So last week, we introduced you to the Cupid's Crash 5-Miler. This week, we have one of the racers coming on to share their experience. Audrey Luca is a racer with BRRC. Audrey, thanks for coming on to share your experience. Thanks for having me. So, Audrey, it was uh, pretty chilly out there uh, for the race. Uh, how did it feel to you? Yeah, it was um, pretty chilly. You're right about that. I think it was about 24 degrees um, when I got there. It was about an hour before race time. Um, but Cupid's Crush is always um, dicey because it's February in Baltimore, so you just have to be prepared. Absolutely, and uh, at least I don't think it was too slippery out there, at least for the conditions around here. Was that uh, How was it out there on the course? Oh, it was really nice. You know, um, I've done it two other times, um, and last year I would say was – um, the worst because it was ice patches all over the place. We had just come out of a snowstorm. So the fact that it was sunny, um, I think made it much better yesterday, even though it was cold. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, at least it was uh, safe out there. Now the course is uh, pretty challenging. Uh, uh, what was the toughest part for you? Yeah, I think um, the most challenging part is when you actually go like behind the zoo dip into the park um you start going through those rolling hills initially it's downhill but um once you get past like the third mile um there's these two hills one of them i call it big bertha (laughs) (laughs) which is the second hill um every year i do the race because of the challenge of the hills i'm like i'm not gonna walk the hills this year (laughs) but i always end up walking them because they are really challenging for me. Um, and I think that the strategy I use is just basically, I know I'm going to walk the top of the hill because it's really hard. So I really try to make up for that time on the downhill, which typically works out well for me. So how did it work out for uh, this particular race? Uh, what was your time and uh, how did you feel like you did compared to previous years? So interestingly enough, I felt like I was running slow the whole time and like I was working a little harder because I was just coming out of like a really bad head cold. Um, But I didn't want to miss the race because I love the um, premium. (laughs) So I showed up anyway. um, 
And I did it in 45, 43, which is an average of about nine minutes per mile. Um, but like I said, I would have thought that I was like a 945 because I did walk the hills. Um, and I just felt like I was running slower. So I was really impressed and grateful at the end. Yeah, no, that's a, a great time considering that you had uh, to walk at certain points. Uh, so how was the preview of the, the gift package this year? Um, pretty much the same as other years. Um, you get, I call it a snow bunny hat, which is really like a beanie with a little poof at the top. Um, but I feel like it's really high quality and it has the BRC logo. Um, and every year it's the same design, but the, the colors change. Um, so I really like that. And then you get a bat, like a little gift bag with Valentine's Day candies. And I think it's really nice. I like it. So, Audrey, I heard there was a cow out there on the course. Did you happen to see that one while you were running? Interestingly enough, yes, there was a cow on the course <laughs> at the top of a very mild hill. It was interesting to see him there encouraging everybody and swinging his tail around. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, actually, I heard it was our esteemed coach buddy out there in disguise, not yeah. a something escape from the zoo there. Uh, hopefully he'll uh, race in that one next uh -huh. year. <laughs> yeah, coach buddy out there dressed as a cow. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, Audrey, thanks again for coming on. I hope to see you at a, at a race soon or a group run. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's take a look at some races that are coming up in late February and early March, starting with the 7th Annual Sykesville Shiver 5K on Sunday, February 24th at 1 p.m. The race starts in downtown Sykesville, and each runner will receive a $5 coupon to use at a participating Main Street store, pub, or restaurant after the race. There will also be cash awards for the top three male and female runners, medals for age group award winners, and random raffle drawings. This race is organized by the Eldersburg Rogue Runners, and registration is just $20 for members and $25 for non-members. Go to errun.org to sign up. On Saturday, March 2nd at 8 a.m., the Montgomery County Road Runners is putting on the Seneca Creek Greenway Trail Marathon and 50K. This scenic trail race is muddy, rooty, rocky, and hilly in subsections. The start finish is at the Seneca Creek State Park in Gaithersburg, and packet pickup is race boarding only, beginning at 6.30. This is a cupless race, so runners must bring their own water bottle. There's a nine-hour cutoff for both the marathon and the 50K. Registration is very affordable, just $25 for MRRC members and $35 for non-members, and includes a finisher's award at a post-race picnic. Race shirts are available for an additional fee. Go to SenecaCreekGreenwayRace.com for more information and to register. The St. Patrick's Day Shamrock 5K takes place on Sunday, March 10th at 1.15 p.m. The race begins at the corner of Charles and Franklin Streets and finishes at Powerplay Live. Registration is $45 through the end of February and $50 thereafter. The point-to-point -point course goes through South Baltimore and the Inner Harbor, finishing at Marketplace. Race amenities include a gender-specific Under Armour Tech t-shirt, a finisher's medal, and entry to the post-race party, including two complimentary beers for runners 21 and older, and live music for everyone. The race benefits St. Vincent de Paul 
Baltimore and their mission to help those living in poverty. The Shamrock 5K is the first race in the B3 series, which also includes the Soul of the City 10K in April and the Charles Street 12 on Labor Day weekend. B3 registrants will receive a special extra medal at the end of the series and discounted registration fees. You can go to runsignup.com to register for this race or to sign up for the B3 series. Now it's time for Coach's Corner, while I'll be where I'll be talking with Coach Buddy to get some advice for improving your running. Coach Buddy Weber is an RRCA certified running coach with the Baltimore Roadrunners Club. Welcome back, Coach Buddy. Thanks, Glenn. So, Coach Buddy, you've been racing a lot so far in the first two months of 2019. It seems appropriate we'd be talking about planning a race calendar this week, huh? Yeah, I, I did put in about four uh, races so far this year, a little bit more than normal, but I, I took it easy on most of them. So, uh, so what I'd like what I'd like to do is talk about uh, your race plans for for a training cycle or a full year in a smart way. The, did you plan on uh, racing so much so early, or uh, was that uh, something you just did uh, spur of the moment? Uh, there was only one race that was not on my race calendar, and I, I guess you could guess which one that was. Yeah, the trail race, huh? <laughs> exactly. So uh, these tips that uh, I, I'm going to share today are going to be geared to your intermediate runner uh, with some race experience behind them, uh, and they would be considered running in races 10K and up, but certainly it could be applied to someone who is focusing on 5Ks. All right, sounds great. So um, a lot of times people come to me for training advice with uh, the race calendar in hand, and it's just packed with races, it seems like, every other week. And I look at them and I say, all right, when are you going to train? And they say, well, in between the races. And that doesn't leave two weeks, doesn't leave a whole lot of time uh, for training. So what I do is I try to get them and guide them to a decision. Okay, what's the most important race that they're going to focus on? What's that one that they really want to do a great job on? Another problem that I see with runners is they want to go out on every race. Uh, they want to try to set a PR for every time they, they hit the road. Uh, and it, without decent training and setting your, your races up in a smart way, that's really setting yourself up for injury. Yeah, I must yes. say that uh, that uh, really resounds with me. I, I have a hard time holding back when it's time for race day. So uh, sometimes I need a little advice on uh, how to plan that out or maybe just not race as much. So uh, what do you suggest? Well, Glenn, it's really easy as A, B, C. It, you break down your races into three categories of importance. First, your A race. Then you sprinkle in one or two, maybe B races. And then you fill in the rest with your C races. The first thing you wanted to define is that one goal race, that A race for your training cycle. This is a race that you're going to train for specifically and put in all of your efforts leading into this race. Well, can you have more than one A race or uh, do you really have to stick to just one? And Glenn, when I work with the people I'm coaching, I, I really tell them, look, just pick one A race. Uh, you can get yourself into some trouble that way. Uh, one, there's a risk of injury. Uh, too much uh, effort into one into two races. 
secondly, you're training for a specific way. So uh, a couple years ago I was training someone who was preparing for a marathon and they decided halfway through that uh, marathon training plan, they wanted to knock a one mile race out of the park. Uh, they were doing that race with coworkers and he wanted to have a really good showing. Uh, and in spite of my best efforts, he wanted just to go all out for that race. Uh, he got it and he also finished the marathon, but uh, he had some troubles along the way. So, it, you know, you really want to just pick one race that you're putting all your focus towards. Uh, it definitely sounds smart. So uh, what exactly would a B, uh, B race look like? So a B race is kind of your prep race. It's a tune up. Uh, some people call them a build up race. Uh, I like to schedule a B race, uh, perhaps halfway through the training. Uh, if I could use a marathoner for an example, uh, perhaps a marathon would run a uh, half marathon halfway through the training. Uh, and this race would be run at their marathon pace. They wouldn't run it at their half marathon. Uh, they would do things as making sure that their nutrition is right. They're testing out their hydration. They're making sure that uh, their shoes are in good shape. And, and you re really want to try to mimic your race conditions uh, as much as possible. So it, it, whatever your A race is, you want to try to replicate that on your B race, but at, in a smaller event uh, and with less stress. All right, great. And then what, about, uh, what does C race look like? That is that uh, mostly just run with, uh, for fun with friends? Yeah, exactly. You, you don't want to starve yourself from, from, from racing. Uh, it, it's difficult if all you're doing is training. I've done that before. Uh, it's, it, it gets to the point like you just really want to go out and go. So, so don't starve yourself from running, but sprinkle in a few easy, fun races along the way in your training plan where it makes sense. Uh, it could be a charity race. It could be a, a race with your best friend. Um, do these to keep yourself fresh. But most importantly, run these races as easy as possible. Don't pin on that bib and go like a banshee and, and try to set a PR. Uh, do it as a conversation-paced training run. Uh, perhaps walk through the wa water stops, chat with the volunteers, and be sure to thank them. Take some selfies. Stop and smell the, the roses along the way. Uh, but most importantly, schedule these races smartly as well. Uh, it may not be the best idea to run a sea race at, at the peak of your training. Well, I think that's great advice, buddy. Uh, I must say these are some of my favorite types of races to be able to sprinkle in there. But, you know, maybe I just use it to substitute for a long run or, uh, you know, maybe get in some, uh, you know, easy miles, uh, but not take them too seriously, but just to get out there with friends. Well, that all sounds great, Coach Buddy. Uh, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you about joining your uh, training program with BRRC or reach you personally, how could they do that? Well, first, let's talk about our training program. You can check out our training programs at www.brc.com. Uh, our training programs are part of the membership. Uh, there's no additional cost for our training programs, and it's a really great value. If people would like to reach out to me directly, uh, they can do so at runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com or at uh, Twitter, Running Coach Bud. Well, that sounds great, Coach Buddy. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Len. Every time I see you, baby, feel like love is something new.
For Baltimore's best running routes, we're starting at the popular Canton Crossing Shopping Center on Boston Street and taking a nice, easy, and scenic run to Harbor East. As you head west down Boston Street past Tr- Professor Trashwheel along the sidewalk, there are very few places where you might have to stop for vehicle traffic, so it makes for a nice, smooth warm-up. Then you'll make a left onto Alisana Street and head towards Fells Point. If it's icy out, be careful, especially as you cross the cobblestones, as they are especially slippery when wet or icy. Enjoy the smell of fresh bread baking as you approach H&S Bakery, which is my favorite part of running through Fells Point. When you reach the end of Alisana Street, run around the traffic circle, and then make a right to head to the waterfront to return along the harbor. Follow the waterfront as much as possible back to Canton while you enjoy the scenery, and sooner than you think, you'll be back at Canton Crossing with six miles complete in the city with a minimum of traffic and stops and virtually no elevation gain. Reward yourself with a meal at one of the many restaurants there, or get your shopping done and count it as a cool-down without freezing outside. Check out the show website at runningaroundbmore.wixsite.com slash podcast to get a map of this route and enjoy this waterfront run. For our destination run this week, we're going to make a short drive up I-95 to Haverda Grace, a quaint, historic town along the Susquehanna River in northeastern Harford County. I recommend parking at Veterans Park at the corner of Concord and Girard Streets along the waterfront and then head south along the river. Once you reach the Lake Tender's house at the end of Concord Street, hang a left to enter the Promenade, a scenic boardwalk along the waterfront. Once you reach Tidings Memorial Park, follow Commerce Street West, then turn north to follow Union Avenue to run past the many old homes along this tree-lined street. I recommend exploring many of the side streets before making a right on towards Street to return to the waterfront. Once you reach St. John's Street, make a right to return to your car, passing by antique shops and eateries along the way. I posted a 5K loop around Havre de Grace on the website, but the town is small and easy to navigate, so I encourage you to make your own route. Afterwards, enjoy the shops of downtown to make the most of your destination run. Before we get to this week's interview, I want to share some ways that you can connect with the show. You can find the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for the Running Around Baltimore podcast. I will be posting periodically there to provide show updates, and you can message me directly to share feedback on the episodes, make suggestions for future guests or segments, and ask questions. Be sure also to visit the show website at runningaroundbmore.wixsite.com. Dot com slash podcast. There you will find all the running routes shared on the show thus far, links to the episodes on all the different podcast sites, and other key information. Also, it would be greatly appreciated if you'd subscribe to the show and write a review on your preferred podcast service. This helps to increase the show's visibility to other podcast listeners and to help grow the listener base. You can also share the podcast with your friends on sh- social media and when you're out on your next group run. I want to thank you all so much for your support. I really appreciate it. I've been very touched and thrilled at seeing how the uh, listenership has grown over the past few weeks. Without further interruption, let's get to this week's interview. Yo, check this. Living in my place. So this week's interview is with two of my favorite favorite people to share a long run with. Rachel Black and Rachel, Rachel Rosenblatter, road and trail runners based out of Baltimore. Rachel 1 and Rachel 2, welcome to the Running Around Baltimore podcast. 
Oh, thanks, Thank Glenn. You. I'm excited. <laughs> thanks. For yeah, so am I. So who started uh, first referring to you as Rachel 1 and Rachel 2 and for <laughs> those who don't know you, which is which? Um, so it started actually, what, a couple years ago, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess it was our friends because they couldn't tell us apart when they said Rachel, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so they decided, I think it got confusing. We were in a text message um, actually with two Kims, I think, and it just was getting confusing. And so somehow it was Rachel 1 and Rachel 2, and then it gets shortened to R1 and R2 sometimes, and sometimes I'm R2D2. And, <laughs> yes. But it's just, it seems to work. People know which one we are generally, yeah. except you the other day didn't know which one you were, but... <laughs> Was, it, was that after our run? Is that why? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. All right, so could each of you t just tell me a little bit about how you got started with running and, uh, you know, how you got to this point? Sure. Um, Rachel, you go first since you're Rachel. I was going to say you go first. No, you're Rachel <laughs> 1. You go first. Fine. I got started a long time ago um, to help lose weight, get healthy, that kind of thing, and then I gave it up after a while. And I'll make this a very quick story. Well, I'll try to. We all know I like to talk. So I then we got back into it and a friend of mine decided she was going to do a half marathon. I kind of got jealous. So the following year, I decided I wanted to do that same half marathon. And then I told myself I would never, ever do anything more than a half marathon. And then look at us now. <laughs> and I started, I ran a little bit in high school, not very much. We didn't have a track team or anything. And after college, um, I started running you know, to lose weight also, but I only ran on the treadmill. And maybe once in a blue moon, I'd run outside and three, seven miles, somewhere in that range. I ended up shattering my sesamoid bone and was in just a lot of pain. And so I stopped running, couldn't do any running at all. And so I was about, um, I guess it was, uh, I was 43 and a lot of people at work, similar ages to me. And all of a sudden they decide they're going to do the Baltimore relay, the marathon relay. And I got jealous, like, just like Rachel said. <laughs> And I no thought, wonder why we get along so well. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I really wish I could run. And I didn't do anything. But the next year, they decided to relay again. And I was like, okay, I'm definitely jealous. I need to see if I can find some shoes. So um, got some shoes. They didn't work so great. Ended up at Falls Road and got the right shoe for me and started running. And I was going to do 5Ks and 10Ks. And so I was up to about six miles on my own. And my coworker, one of the people who had been doing the marathon relay, said, well, if you're doing six, you can do 10. And I said, uh, okay, I, I guess so. So I did the Baltimore 10 miler and then there's the Charles street 12 after that. So I did that. And once you get to 12, you might as well do a half marathon. So, um, just like Rachel, I was said, okay, half marathon. That's good. That's perfect. That's the maximum distance. And then I said, I'm never going to do trails. <laughs> Cause I'm a klutz. I don't really like <laughs> being outside that much and I'm not going to do trails. And then I saw people doing trail races, uh, volunteered at a trail race. Everybody seemed so happy and they really enjoyed it. And so I decided to try trails 
and then it just keeps snowballing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny actually. The Baltimore Relay was my first uh, sort of goal race that got me into running back in 2015. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, it seems like oh, if you're with a group and it's oh, it's seven miles or so, it's not too long, and then you know, as you said, it kind of snowballs from there. So the two of you, when did you first start running together? And, uh, you know, other than your similar personalities, what drew you together as running buddies? <laughs> um, so we met, how many years ago now, Rach? Three? I think three. Oh, three or four. Uh, we, we met through track, actually, with Fallsworth Running, uh, Wednesday Night Women's Track. And I don't know how we got drawn together. I th- well, yeah. I, I think, so I don't know if this is, um, something that other people do, but when I meet somebody with the same name, I kind of assume that they're a good person. And, <laughs> and so what happened was, you know, you introduce yourselves and, that, and there was more, and there were a couple other Rachels there. Um, so we had three or four Rachels in the group, but um, I don't know. I just somehow latched onto her. <laughs> so, and she'd been there before. So she, this was her second year at ladies night track. It was my first year. So you know, being able to meet people who had already been through it and kind of knew the routine and everything, that was also helpful to me. Yeah. And then um, we became really good friends somehow. I guess we exchanged numbers and then just started talking. And then we, I I think I invited you to pacemakers. I think you did. I think you did. I think we did like an off-cycle pacemakers or something, but we have similar um, paces. So, you know, that's, that's why we're able to run together so much because we do run kind of the same pace. Yeah. And then, um, so she came to pacemakers and we just became friends and then we became, um, running buddies and then we became training partners and yeah, it's snowballs from there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So in the past few years, uh, I mean, you both said that you were pretty satisfied at, relatively short distances like a half marathon which are long for most others but now you've been running much longer races uh and more trails than roads uh what's motivated you to want to go longer um i you know for me the i don't really love long road races so for me i still kind of like that half marathon distance in the road um it's just feels like too much pounding on my legs and body to, to, to do the marathon on the road. The trails, it's more comfortable for me. And when I run a trail race, a lot of times I end up by myself for a very long time. And I really like that. So it's a way for me to kind of decompress um, and, you know, be outside, be running, but know that somebody knows where I am. And they're going to look for me if I don't come back. <laughs> so right. then what happens is, you know, you get through that distance and okay, maybe it's not so bad. And, and really Rachel is kind of the guinea pig. Rachel won. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, you know, I was like, okay, I'll do a 25 kilometer trail race. And Rachel decided she was going to try a 50 kilometer trail race. So she did the 50 kilometer and was like, okay, well now she's done that. I guess I need to do that too. <laughs> And now uh, she's done the 50 miler. So now I'm going to do a 50 miler. So that's what, that's what happened with me anyway. I don't know about you, Rach. Like what made you decide to do that 50 miler? Yeah. So for me, um, it started with marathons. I was always a road runner. I liked trails, but I was never like, oh, I'm just going to go run trails for 20 miles with someone. I was always like, okay, I'll go um, train for my marathon 
on road for 20 miles. And then, um, and then I think Rachel, maybe you got me into, I think you may have gotten me into trails. You were doing a trail run in. So I went with you or so- mm-hmm. something like that. And then I was like, okay, well, I, I have done four or five marathons. Maybe I should step up my game and try a 50 K. So I was like, it's only a couple more miles. Why not? Let me beat myself up. And so my first one was fund 50K and Rachel was going to go do the 25K. So it worked out perfect. We could drive up together. She can wait for me for 20 hours to finish. (laughs) And then um, she can, someone will be there for me when I finish. And then finally, after doing so many 50, um, 50 Ks, I was not ready for a 50 miler. And then I was convinced to do a 50 miler this past fall. I did two 50 Ks in the fall, back to back, a couple of weeks apart. And someone's like, look, you're already trained up. You might as well do it and get it done with. And I thought I was going to hate it. And I hated it during the entire 50 miles. <laughs> a day later, I was like, not even a day later. I'm like, you know what? Yep. I think I'm hooked. I think I'll do another 50 miler. So that's how I got hooked. Yeah. It seems like the sort of thing that, uh, the day of hate it. Yeah. Say they'll never do it again, but then something seeps in and no one can really explain what it is that, uh, you know, that, that keeps bringing them back other than I would imagine the, the sense of accomplishment. If you, well, if I can do, this you can do pretty much anything i mean uh and if you think about it you're out there as long if not longer at times than some people would go an entire work day yeah. uh and i'm sure that's it's kind of a daunting yeah. thing if you think about it so what are your keys to uh to running long distances is it a positive self-talk <laughs> uh pacing strategy you know planning of gear and nutrition what do you think are, are sort of keys for each of you um rach do you want to go first or do you want me to I- um, I can go first. I mean, okay. for me, part of it is you know, once you've gone that far, then you know you can do it. So it makes it a little bit easier the next time. Um, for me, I'm probably more regimented than, than I think Rachel is in terms of like I try and keep up with – I try and eat something every half hour a little bit. Um, I try and take you know my salt tabs and things like that. But I, I do kind of plan everything out. A lot. I also tend to really look at all the details from the race, um, the elevation, where the aid stations are, what they're going to have. I look at prior race reports. I, I look at people's Stravas. I go on Strava and go, oh, let me look at that. And, and I kind of try and figure things out. So I'm sort of like, oh, I, I messaged somebody the other day. I'm like, oh, wait, I saw you finish this on Ultra Sign Up. What, what can you tell me about the race? So I try and get a lot of information just to kind of prepare myself. Whereas I know um, <laughs> our other friends, well, I, I mean, we should do this to one of our other friends. Like, I don't want to, I just want to see it for the first time when I get there. Yep. And I'm the way complete opposite of <laughs> R2. I don't want to know anything about the course because if I know what's coming, I'm not going to want to do it. So it's a huge mental game for me. Um, we have done tra- some trail training runs on the course itself for like font. Uh, I think just font actually. Yeah. And we didn't do the whole course. So that was fine. And it was kind of good that we did because we kind of got lost anyways. Right. um, And and did not get lost during the race, which other people did. So I was really glad we had done the training run. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, I don't want to know what's coming nutrition wise. 
I, I'm not as regimented as Rachel. I try to eat when I feel like I'm hungry, which, which is really bad because at that point you could be hitting the wall. So I have been trying to eat more often. And then I finally found out, I think a couple races ago or a couple 50 K's ago, I'm, I really need salt. And all I've been taking in is salt pills, which helps me tremendously. And it wasn't about the food. It was more about the salt for me. Okay, great. And uh, so do you feel like the, the that's the most challenging thing, the fueling or getting the proper nutrition in for these longer races and training runs, or have you found other things to be more challenging? Um, for me, it's training, honestly. Um, I don't think I've trained well enough for really any of the long races that I've done. So I, number one, hit the wall ten, around 20 miles. Um, and I sometimes will get cramps in my leg even with taking salt and pickle juice and everything else i'll get cramps my other issue is i really need a lot of time on my feet because i tend to have um my, my feet swell more i think than some other people's so i end up getting some blisters sometimes and so for me it's trying to get more time on my feet so that when i'm out there for eight hours it, my feet can handle it um so the fueling it's like you know i kind of have that down i have the gear down um, you know, all that stuff. But for me, also just training, I, I, I do think you need to, I'm, you know, I'm not young and I do need to train in order to get through these. And then I guess for me, <laughs> it's, um, it's probably, it's a huge mental game as well as new trying to take in that nutrition training went really well this past fall, which was, I, I was super impressed with, I was excited. Um, but this past 50K, it was horrible. I didn't train at all. I think my longest distance was eight. So that can be a challenge from here to, you know, depending on time of the year. But overall, every year, it's, it's always nutrition for me. It's just trying to get in all those calories that you're burning and taking it in early enough. Yeah. Well, that, that's great for those who might be kind of contemplating uh uh, you know, maybe trying some trail runs or longer runs uh, to kind of consider these issues as they prepare. Now, a number of news stories have popped up over the past few years about uh, women uh, kind of being attacked or accosted mm -hmm. on trail runs. Is this something that concerns either of you, or do you feel like it's uh, you haven't really had those concerns uh, with the people that you run with? So I, sorry, Rachel. No, no, go ahead. <clears throat> so I never had the fear a long time ago. And then I was always running at Robert E. Lee Park, which was always my favorite. I would go there late in the day. I would literally finish my run when it's dark out with one other car there. So I never was ever scared or afraid. And then, you know, after so many news incidences and things happening, you know, now I don't go on a trail without someone else, such as Rachel or our other uh, trail friends. And there have been times where we're running and there's only two of us and some sketchy stuff is going on and we have no idea what is going on. So either we stop and go the other way or we just try and run faster. So, I mean, not just for females in general, I think for anybody, it can be scary on the trails if you're alone and you get hurt and no one's around, what do you do? And if you don't carry a cell phone, like I don't carry my phone as Rachel knows ever, 
I always rely on her to carry hers. So <laughs> sorry. Thank you for that. Rach. It's true. <laughs> um, so I, I would basically be screwed if I was by myself. So I technically, I don't try and do any trail runs by myself. I'll go to Robert E. Lee here and there during the day by myself, but that's about it. Yeah. And same here. I, I went to Robert E. Lee once um, where I thought there'd be more people when I went and there was literally nobody. And I just ran the whole way with my head going back and forth. And it was just, it was a miserable run. Cause I was just waiting for somebody to jump out at me. But, you know, even in groups, you know, we've been, um, we had a trail run. It was what, five of us. And there was mm-hmm. this guy and he was just acting weird. And we were just trying to make sure we knew where he was and what he was doing because he just, it just didn't fit. And then Rachel and I, one time we went and, um, she was going to do some more, um, like another loop after I left. And all of a sudden, like these four or five random guys were on the trail and it was just, I said, you're not going anywhere, you know, by yourself. And it was just kind of out of place. So you're just, you have to be aware. I, I don't run by myself either. So that's why, in fact, earlier Rachel messaged and said, Hey, do you want to run trail Sunday? Because, you know, we're not going to do it by ourselves. Yeah. And it's always better with a training partner it's yeah. a lot more fun mm-hmm. sometimes I mean, we don't stay on the trail but yeah <laughs> and when we don't get lost either <laughs> right well at least if you do uh you know find a new route out there not getting lost it's finding a new yeah. route yeah. uh blazing a new trail uh at least you have each yeah. other uh so you're not really lost yeah. and I do appreciate you sharing your your perspective on that because you know it, it's not an easy thing to talk about, but it it is you know even for for me and and for others. I mean, it's it's kind of when you're out there so far away from you know a lot of other people, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of have a weird feeling. But um, you know, again, it just highlights the need to to have a community of people around, and there are a lot, usually it's pretty easy to find somebody to. You know, if you put out mm-hmm. there, uh, you know, that you want to, hey, does anybody want to run uh, this area on the weekend? Usually you can find somebody to run Oh, with. yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's Absolutely. a huge community for trail running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to be growing more every year. So now um, most people know the two of you that when you're out on a run uh, and the, the pictures from every race seem to, to hold up to this, that you're typically smiling from <laughs> ear to ear and, uh, you know, chatting while you run uh so uh and and so when i think of you i think that uh, you two seem to have a lot of joy with your running so what do you think is your key to running with joy so i it's rachel one so i'm going to be honest i think rachel too is more happy when we run (laughs) i mean i'm happy but you can definitely tell from some of my pictures that i'm struggling or i'm having some mental breakdown Um, I don't know. What do you think, Rachel? (laughs) I think I'm just better at finding the cameraman. (laughs) Um, But I think you are because I'm. I am not aware of anyone when I'm running. So I. Somebody asked me um, the other day. They said, you know, if if you could be paid for this, would you want to do this full time? And I said, well, first of all, I'm too slow. Like, (laughs) this is not something I could ever do as a career. I said, but I don't want this to be work like that. It's not work for me. It's fun. I enjoy when I first started training. um, I was doing it all by myself when I went up to the six miles and then the 10 miles in the first half marathon. I basically did all my training myself and, and I like being by myself, but I really, really like 
being with other people and meeting people during races. I met this wonderful woman on, on Saturday at the race. She, she got me through like 20 miles. And, and so just, I don't know. I just, I just kind of enjoy it. Um, I also, uh, you know, you mentioned the pictures, you probably see that I'm usually in some crazy colorful thing, but you know, I enjoy having people go, like, Oh, look at that outfit. <laughs> you know, where'd you get that? So I don't know. I just, I, I, enjoy it i don't get the runner high that i used to get when i was able to run faster Same. but yeah. it, it's still something that makes me you know feel happy and i think there's been a lot of training runs where you know it feels more like work than having fun mm -hmm. but again always having that person not that you can rely on but I guess you could say rely on because yeah, I do rely I think, on you a lot. Right. So um, I think what happens a lot of times in our long training runs is so if, it, if we're doing a 20 mile training run, the first 10 miles, I'm probably like, woof, you know, this is great. And dragging Rachel along. <laughs> and then the second yep. 10, I'm just like, oh God, are we done yet? And she's like, oh, blah, blah. so we kind of balance <laughs> each other out in terms of where our strengths are in, in, in the training, um, you know, just kind of get us through and sometimes it's just like okay we'll just get through it however long it takes but we'll, we'll get through it mm -hmm. great thanks for sharing that now uh r2 you uh brought this up so but i had written this down <laughs> you are known for your colorful running pants from ink and burn uh <laughs> what made you such a devotee of this company's gear is it the designs is it the fit or is it both uh, it's both so i would not be wearing it if it, if it didn't work for me it does not chafe at all it doesn't um stick to you it's really it's tested on ultra runners who run 100 milers you know i haven't done 100 miler but i've run lots of 50ks and i love the colors i love the patterns um everybody can find me <laughs> you know <every> little <laughs> people come up behind me they know it's me um but i i found it when when i started uh deciding to do that first half marathon um when you start searching you know how facebook they give you all these targeted ads all the time and a lot of times you're like, what is this? I don't know what this is. But the Ink and Burn ad popped up, and I was like, well, that's really pretty. And, of course, the one that popped up they were sold out of. But I picked something else, and I really loved it. And it's just um, – it's made in America, and the colors hold up so they don't fade. But I would not be wearing it if it, if it was giving me any sort of trouble um, while running. It's got pockets and everything. It's just – I just really like it. Now, they don't make a lot of cold weather stuff because they're in california so there's not a whole lot for the cold weather but for the hot weather it's it's wonderful and i'm usually in a skirt too if it's if it's above 30 i'm usually in a skirt so and they're very comfortable well uh, you said you couldn't make a living doing this uh maybe we can get you a sponsorship <laughs> or something at least for the pants she anyway would, she would be perfect for that <laughs> Absolutely. She's already given them a lot of free advertising already with her uh, racing schedule. Now, uh, R1, uh, you're a transplant to the Baltimore area, and actually you just bought a new home. Congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I moved to Baltimore, or Maryland, um, 2007, right out of college, and then I've been here since. And yeah, I just bought a house about a month ago, a little bit more than a month ago, not by much. So I'm still trying to you know, clean and put stuff away. My house looks like a mess, <laughs> but yeah. Well, awesome. Uh, we're glad to have you as a permanent fixture yeah. in our running community now. And uh, not that I, we thought you were going anywhere. Uh, yeah. So let's talk Algonquin 50K. You both 
ran this recently. Uh, it's on the Lower Eastern Shore. I grew about 20 minutes uh, from where the race uh, took place down there uh, in the Pocomoke Forest. Uh, so I know the area is pretty flat, but there's a bunch of unique challenges for this uh, winter ultra. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your experience and uh, about the course, what it was like? Yeah, who do you want to go first? Well, <laughs> uh, either, whoever's I ready. Let me go first because I, I ran go it last it. year also, so I can look at right. comparison. So, um, so being a flat course uh, can be tricky. It, it kind of you don't have your automatic walk breaks that you would get in a typical trail race where you might power hike the hill uh, uphill and then run downhill. It's it, it's really pretty flat. Um, you know, one of the other challenges last year was there was a ton of water on the course. I mean, just a lot of water and you really can't avoid it. If you try to avoid it, you'll get stuck by all the briars. And I literally, last year I basically got speared, um, not into me, but into like my clothes with the briars. So you, you really have to go through the water and then there's mud. There's also sand. Um, this year there was very little water, but the water that we had was freezing. It was really, really, really cold. Um, so, you know, that, that's really the, to me, the challenge um, is is the being flat, uh, trying to pace yourself properly. Um, but it's a great race. It, it's it's a really really great race. And I, and I've heard uh, from you and from others that you don't really want to necessarily do a long run in the summer there because of the mosquitoes and things. So the winter time is really the time to do a, an ultra there from what I've heard. Yeah, between the mosquitoes and the humidity, uh, it'd be pretty oppressive. Plus, even more of those uh, briar bushes than you have in the winter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so Arwan, uh, this was uh, your first time down there. What did you think of it uh, compared to your other races? Yeah, so I am kind of similar with Rachel. It, I didn't do it last year, but I found that it's very flat. There, When there was little hills, it was like nothing. So I, it was a mind struggle because I was like, oh, I want to walk, but there's really no walking breaks because you don't have the hills or the mountains to walk up. So to make yourself stop and walk was a struggle because I'm like, okay, this is a pretty runnable course. Why am I walking? What is everyone else thinking? Which you literally just have to take it out of your head and just say, you know what? I need a walk break. I'm at mile four. I'm at mile 10. I'm at 15, whatever you're at and just go with how you feel. Um, I also am the type of person that doesn't like long stretches of road or any kind of anything. So this race had a lot of long straightaways, which isn't necessarily bad, but for me mentally, it's, it's not that great. And then the sand, oh <laughs> my gosh, it went on once you thought it was done. Oh, it was not done. <laughs> and I was like, when are we going to be done in five miles? And literally it felt like we were in sand for five miles. But at um, least you didn't have to go back through. You didn't. Go <laughs> yes, that's true. Although I did want that margarita shot again. <laughs> <laughs> they, so Glenn, they had um, a on the beach, on the sand, they had a little concession stand, whatever you, an aid station, as you call it. Sorry. <laughs> and they were giving out tequila shots and margarita shots. And for, I've never taken alcohol during a distance race like this ever this was my first time and I was like you know what I'm just gonna fling a bag I don't care <laughs> so um anyways uh the water to me I like water in races I like getting my feet wet it feels good it was a little cold 
but it wore off after probably half a mile. Mm -hmm. So for me, that wasn't a big deal. I like getting muddy. I don't mind getting dirty. So the mud isn't a big deal, especially I just went through Stone Mill 50, which I would say about 75% of the course was mud and lots of it, miles upon miles. So the mud there wasn't that bad, but I did hear last year it was even worse. So we got lucky this year. Yeah. But overall... I did, I did like the course, but I, I need my hills again. So I have those automatic walk breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Johnny Lyons uh, was on last week and he, he was talking about how muddy it was at Stone Mill. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it just seemed like fitting for 2018, considering how much rain yeah. we had that that one was so yes. bad. Yeah. So Algonquin uh, actually became a little bit uh, Twitter famous this past fall for announcing that this year's race had more female mm-hmm. entrants and males and that this may have been the first uh, ultra marathon to have that distinction. Mm-hmm. So um, let's start with why do you think uh, comparatively few women run ultra marathons compared to shorter distance or uh, road races? I think that it's, I guess it's always been a thing for the guys to do and it's not something that females did. And there's not a lot of long distance female runners that are publicized And so now they're finally getting out there and getting into the limelight. And so now everyone else wants to try it too. And it's a good, it's a lot of fun. And I mean, it's a good accomplishment to finish something like that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then what about this race? Uh, You know, why do you think this one, uh, you know, maybe attracted more female runners than, than your average one? I'm not sure, you know, I don't know if it maybe some people thought, okay, this will be a good first 50 K for me because it's flat and maybe more women go for that instead of one they think is more technical. I'm not really sure. Um, it, it was funny today. They were posting some stuff and I, my post ended up in the wrong place. So <laughs> the, race, the race director he, he knows he goes by the race dictator but he said wait you know 21 people who ran the race and I said oh that's not no I was talking about something else and I said wait a minute maybe I did know 21 people who ran the race and I actually when I added it up I actually kind of did know 21 people who had run the race so you know I ran it I was brought in by somebody you know, a female and I ran it last year and then I recruited a couple more people you know, Rachel and Michelle and I, I don't know if it's just one of those things where the women are spreading the word about it more maybe yeah it definitely looked like there was quite a contingent from uh from baltimore uh yeah it just seemed like everyone that i knew seemed to be running algonquin last weekend which it's a cool thing i mean considering it's not exactly a local race that we got so many people in there uh speaking of people i wasn't expecting to see there i saw that a pretty famous runner bart mm-hmm. yasa ran yes. this year uh for those who may not know the name bart was a longtime contributor to runner's world and it's kind of known as the unofficial mayor of running for as many appearances at race over, over the years representing the magazines did uh either of you get a chance to meet him or run with him and uh, if so what was your impression of so i um i didn't get to run with bart but it was on that straightaway rage when I saw you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and the turnaround. There's, a, there's yeah. a couple parts where you can see other people coming back. Yeah, okay. so I saw him, I think um, maybe a mile after I saw you or a mile before, I forget. It was one of the two, you know, it was a long race. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Anyways, um, and 
I had runner's brain, so I couldn't even add two plus two. And I look over and I'm like, that has got to be Bart. I didn't see a bib. I didn't see anything. And I'm like, oh my God, that was Bart. And I'm like, I don't want to stop running at that point. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So we finish and he, he finally finishes and I go up and I'm like, oh my gosh, congratulations. It's so nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't get to have a full blown conversation. I don't want to take up the uh, Bart's time because I know he's busy and probably just wants to hang out, have a beer or whatever, if he drinks. Um, but yeah, so that was my run in with him. I don't know if you did. I, I didn't uh, talk to him or see him. I mean, I, I'm sure I saw him, but, you know, it didn't process either. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, but that's still pretty cool. And that's one of the cool mm-hmm. things about running is that everybody shares the same course, whether they're sort of famous or elites, you know, uh, in, in all the races that we run, we get to, you know, kind of toe the line with uh, with famous people sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So uh, you guys have been putting in a lot of miles recently. Uh, uh, would you each care to share a little bit about your running goals for 2019 kind of big races or plans coming up? Well, Rachel has been putting in the miles and this Rachel, Rachel one has been slacking a little bit um, with buying the house, being sick, all that kind of stuff. I haven't been putting in miles. Um, so my longest training run for Algonquin was eight miles for Super Bowl Sunday tavern run, which was non-consistent. So it was pretty bad. Um, but for 2018, I, I have my, my races I want to do. I wanted to do a marathon this year, but I think that might be out of the question. But I'm definitely doing Patapsco 50K if they're holding it. And then I want to do Blues Cruise again if possible. And then I want to do Stone Mill 50 with Rachel for her mm-hmm. 50th. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You don't sound too excited. <laughs> I'm not. I got a lot before that. <laughs> you do. She has a whole race plan. And yeah. So races I, beyond um, races. I have um, Seneca Greenway 50k. I'm doing the Miocene nine hour, and then for some strange reason, so I'm not really a traveler. Like I don't normally travel at all and not to races you know Algonquin is like kind of the big travel and for some reason I signed up for two races down at the bottom of Virginia (laughs) so I'm doing I'm not really sure what I was thinking I'm doing um Grayson Highlands uh in May which has the miniature ponies and stuff and so it's apparently gorgeous it's a little technical so I'm a little nervous about that one I'm also doing Dam Yeti which I found out afterward is rail trail so I guess I'm doing another road 50k um that's in June um, I'm also doing the Maryland half. I do that every year because the money raised goes to the Green Mountain Cancer Center, which is where my mom gets treated. So I do that every year and I know the pacemakers you know, do the pacing and, and it's really awesome because they're all done before I'm done and they get to cheer me in. So it's, it's always really fun to, you know, have them cheering me as I, as I run in. But then in the fall, I can't do Blues Cruise, but I do plan to do Patapsco Valley 50K and then because I am turning 50 this year. Yay! should do a 50 miler so i'm gonna do stone mill and you could have hidden that from everybody uh those who don't know you would never guess it so uh, <laughs> but uh no that's awesome but you're keeping up your reputation as a serial racer so uh you know good to keep that up 
Yeah, right. not in the summer. I can't race in a summertime, like half marathons, my max. I pretty much die. Summer, I can't do it. Yeah, and now that they moved the Maryland uh, half uh, to June, yeah. that's a pretty hot one, though it is a good race and obviously for, for an awesome cause. Mm-hmm. All right, well, this has been great so far. Uh, we've got a couple of fun little cool down questions here at the end, and then <laughs> oh, uh, we'll, we'll cap this one off for the night. Uh, so, uh, if either of you could just choose one person to share a casual long training run with, who would it be and why? Oh, Rach, <laughs> you go first. I don't know. Do you mean just in general? Like yes, it, could be, it could be somebody from the running world. It could just be anyone in the world. I have no clue. But this is usually Rachel. I don't know. I know. We've done so <laughs> many runs together that I'm so used to her pace. I'm used to our conversations and... I never thought of running a long training run with anyone else but her. <laughs> I think, yeah, I feel I feel like I don't know I don't know if I could do a I could do a short training run with somebody I haven't run with before. I'm not sure I could do a long one with somebody. So I don't really know. I don't really have anybody. I guess. Considering how good of running friends you are, that actually might just be the perfect answer. So, into <laughs> the next one. Uh, so, uh, some people like to race in costumes sometimes, sometimes even me. If you were to do it, which disguise would it be and which race? Oh, I, oh, go ahead, Rach. No, I, no, that was, that was not an answer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, I'm not a costume person at all. I, I, if I, yeah, no, I'm not a costume person. <laughs> I wore a sparkle skirt once for for Ragnar Trail. Trail, they convinced me, and it was a lot of convincing. Um, but if I had to wear a costume, it would probably be a Disney race, just because at that point I wouldn't care about my time or how I did. I would care more about enjoying the experience than anything. I mean, I still care about the experience for every race I do, but that would be more about seeing actors and, you know, all of that. Cool. Yeah, I really have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be creative, Rachel. <laughs> I, I was just, I don't know. I think, I think, um, I love penguins, but I'm not sure I could run in a penguin costume. But <laughs> I do love penguins, but I have no idea what race I would do I would run it in probably it may be something like if I could uh, convince my nephew to run um, maybe do something with him if, if I was doing like a 5k with him or something like that yeah that'd be pretty fun so uh, what do you uh, you know if you had to pick one race uh, you know sort of your dream race what do you think that would be um, I see the pictures from Antelope Canyon and I think that's really pretty I'm not sure if I'll get over there the other thing i would love to do but i probably won't uh would be to run a, a race in israel i think oh be, yeah uh, uh, yeah that's awesome antelope canyon uh where is that uh, i'm not familiar um somewhere out west oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i forget which state it's one of those you know this, but it, the pictures are just just absolutely gorgeous but i think i think to get through the prettiest part you have to do the 50 miler not the 50k i'm not sure but it just looks gorgeous oh wow so my i as i told you i don't know many races rachel i rely on rachel a lot to get me to races to tell me what time things start what day they are so (laughs) i and it's a true story every race i'm like when where what time (laughs) but um I don't know many races out there. I mean, I know some, but not a lot. Um, 
I guess Boston would be the one that I would want to run. I'm not fast enough to qualify. I don't know if I ever will be. And distance, long distance doesn't help that either. But I enjoy long distance more than anything. So I don't mind. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Boston's definitely on my list too. And I, I'm yeah. certainly not fast enough to run it either. Uh, my goal is not to get faster, but just to get older and let the uh, qualifying times come yeah. closer to me. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. I think I think I could maybe qualify if I were seventy something right now, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rachel, you need to do a marathon before you even. <laughs> I've done, not done I've a done, marathon yet. I did a road a trail, marathon. I did a trail marathon and I did a road ultra. So there you go. Yeah, it doesn't count as a marathon. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> well, ladies, thank you both for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed this interview, and I think uh, the audience will too. Um, I hope to see both of you soon at a, at a group run. Uh, you guys typically run with uh, Baltimore Pacemakers and BRRC, correct? Yeah, so we usually, well, we try to do Saturdays Pacemakers and then BRRC, um, whatever they have going on, we try and do that as well. And then we do Falls Road uh, Women's Track Night on Wednesday nights. And that starts, I think, April, March, April. Again, I rely on Rachel for that. (laughs) And then um, we run with Falls Road every now and then, like Thursday night fun runs and then every, you know, just random days of the week. So, yeah. Yeah, well, again, uh, you guys are easy to find, and I uh, hope to see you both soon. Yeah. Thanks again for coming on. Sure. Thank you, Glass. Yes, thanks for having us. Before we wrap up episode four, I want to thank those who helped to make it possible. Thanks to Coach Buddy Weber from the Baltimore Roadrunners Club for his coaching advice at his race report. You can reach him by email at runningcoachbuddy at gmail.com or at runningcoachbud on Twitter. Thanks to fellow BRRC runners Randy Rittenauer and Audrey Luca for sharing reports from their recent races. Thanks also to Rachel Rosenblatt and Rachel Black for submitting to a long interview and sharing their love for trail and ultra running. If you want to catch up with them, look for them at a Baltimore Pacemaker Saturday run or a Falls Road fun run. A special thanks also goes out to the Kelly Bell Band for the use of their music in the episode. Go to www.fatblues.com to hear more of their music and to learn about upcoming show dates so that you can experience their live show. You can catch them in action at the Frozen Harbor Music Festival on Saturday, February 23rd at Baltimore Soundstage. It'll be a great show, so don't miss it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode, but until then, I hope to see you running around Baltimore.